Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidil mursalin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecma'ina amma ba'd. Kalallahu tebaraka ve teala fil Kur'anil mecidi vel furkanil hamid ve entumul a'launa in kuntum mu'minin. Bekalan nebiyyü sallallahu aleyhi ve sellem en nikahu min sunneti. My dear respected sisters, uh, what I want to speak about today is something based on some calls I've received in uh, recent times, in the recent few weeks. And uh, basically that's regarding older uh, people getting married, uh, regarding older sisters in particular getting married. Uh, what I'm speaking about is that we've got uh, numerous men and women who for one reason or the other they may have not been married, uh, maybe never been married or in, in the case of some sisters they have been married before, maybe divorced, maybe their husband passed away, generally divorced, and then they've decided that they don't want to get married again because uh, they have children maybe, or I mean in many cases they, they have children. So they just want to focus on their children, they don't need to get married, so they don't get married. Uh, but then as time goes along it gets difficult, especially if they don't have any kind of outside support or family support in that matter for some reason. And um, what then happens is that as they get older, they have this desire to, to marry. You see, marriage is part of the fitra. Marriage, marriage is part of the sunnah. Marriage is part of humanity. It's part of the human race. It's, in fact, uh, the whole purpose that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created men and women in the complementary roles and the complementary ways that he has is so that the human race can continue. And that's why in Islam, for people not to be married, uh, that's a discouragement. The Prophet ﷺ emphatically discouraged that uh, because when, as most of you will know, there's the story of the Sahaba who decided uh, to do different things in order to increase their worship. One of them had decided that he won't marry. If you're not married, then you've got res less responsibility. Marriage allows you to be a bit more free in general, generally because you don't have any responsibility towards anybody. You don't have to come home to anybody for that matter. So the Prophet you know, he, he was very, very, um, he, he was very disapproving of that. And he said, no, I marry and yet I am the most fearful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So marriage is part of Islam, it's part of the sunnah, it's part of our deen, it's part of the human fitrah. Because without that, you know, you can't procreate. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Tazawwajul walud al-wadud fa'inni mukathirun bikum al-umma yawm al-qiyamah. So that's another thing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said which is that he's telling the men, he's talking to the men, but this can apply the other way around as well. But in this instance, the Prophet ﷺ is saying to the men that uh, marry those women who are very loving uh, because affection and loving uh, nature would help the marriage to prosper and to endure. And number two, marry those who are very fertile. And the purpose of that is for procreation because the Prophet ﷺ then said that I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to boast on the Day of Judgment for the largeness and expanse of my Ummah, for the large number of members of my Ummah. So that's why you can see that the Sharia is encouraging of marriage. That's why we have stories of numerous uh, Salaf, Salihin, Sahaba, Tabi'in, etc. who got married at a young age. There's a discussion about Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and others who got married even at an older age. In fact, uh, some of them would even marry just so that uh, they 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 could leave this world on a sunnah. They could depart this world on a sunnah. And um, 
because they didn't want to depart on this world as a singer they thought of it so importantly as a sunnah that uh, they didn't want to be considered to be those who avoiding the sunnah because the prophet ﷺ said faman raghiba an sunnati falaysa minni that those who avoid ignore those who turn away uh, dismiss my sunnah they're not from me so marriage is very important in Islam. The Prophet ﷺ showed us uh, that himself. I mean, he had several wives, which you know, men today wouldn't be able to do anyway, uh, wouldn't be allowed to do the number that he had, the Prophet ﷺ had. But uh, what's happening now is that in the recent times, I've received several calls about this, uh, women who are older, right? And I know this from some men that I've known in the past as well. They're over the age of 40, maybe 40, 50, and some of them have children, but now they feel like they need to get married, but they can't get married. And that's the issue that I want to tackle with today. How does a person get married at that age? What are the things that are in their, in their way, the obstacles in their path? What stops them? What prevents them and makes them feel that they can't get married? There's several things, right? So, uh, first and foremost, as people get older, they get more fixed in their ways. I mean, that studies will show you that, that people generally get fixed in their ways when people get older. In fact, the reason why youth uh, is the time that uh, youthfulness or people in their youth take a lot of advantage uh, or take a lot of risks is because the part of their brain which is risk averse hasn't fully developed yet. Uh, though they're physically developed, they feel a lot of energy, etc. They need to use that. But when it comes to the part of the brain which uh, makes them more cautious about taking risk, that in a teenager hasn't yet developed. And that's why we see them taking a lot more risks and they just don't understand it when we try to, older people, when their parents or guardians or teachers or whoever they are, try to caution them that this is inappropriate. They just don't understand the inappropriateness of it. And that's why you see teenagers, they'll do some crazy things that they're going to regret later. They will probably regret later. You know, including immodest actions or just, just crazy actions. But as we get older, that risk-prone nature diminishes and people become more fixed in their, in their way. Young people don't have too much of a criteria when they're looking for a partner. I mean, sometimes their criteria could be quite shallow, to be honest. As we get older, our criteria becomes more fixed, it becomes more matured, and the, the criteria actually increases. Uh, and sometimes, unfortunately, that criteria that people will make up as they grow older, when you're 30, you're going to have had a lot more experience than when you were 20. And then if you get to 40, you would have dealt with so many more people and have been in so many different circumstances that it's going to be totally different. You, you're double the age of when you were 20. So clearly the amount of experience you've had, the amount of people that you've met and dealt with and interacted with, you're going to be very, very particular about who you want to be with because you would have worked with so many people, you may have studied with so many people, you may have lived with so many people by now and you've really, for yourself, you've identified and narrowed down what your criteria is. So your criteria is very particular. Problem is that there's not many people in the world that are perfect. In fact, there's nobody in the world that's perfect. Only prophets are perfect in any sense. There's nobody else that's perfect. Everybody has their defects and it becomes increasingly difficult, increasingly difficult. The older you get, this is just statistics, that you're going to find the person that you're looking for because we become more fixed in our way. So for example, uh, generally it says that some psychologists, they say that in most of us by the age of 30, the character has set like plaster and will never soften again. That's a bit of an extremist view, to be honest, it's been 
I don't think they've agreed with that. They've discredited that view that it becomes like plaster. I mean, everybody pretty much, agree, I think most psychologists would agree that we definitely become more set in our ways, but not like plaster where it's impossible to change. Even Islam doesn't agree with that because we have the concept of tawbah in Islam and reform and uh, character reform, etc. So we can definitely change, but it just becomes a bit more difficult. That's why they say that many people find their habits and their personality traits harder to change uh, in their 30s. Uh, personality, by its definition, psychologists say, is a relatively stable set of patterns of thought, feelings and behavior, which is very different to moods. You see, moods are very temporary. You have mood swings. They're very temporary. They don't define your character unless you're very moody all the time. But a mood swing is different. right? That's more, much more temporary in nature. But we're, when we're talking about personality and then who you want, that's personality. So psych psychologists tend to break personality traits down into five categories. One is how open you are to ideas or how open you are to others. Extroversion, right? You become more introverted. Uh, how agreeable, the agreeableness of a person. Conscientiousness, how trusted you could be, how people could rely on you. And neuro, uh, neuro, um, neuroticism. Th these are the core traits uh, for human beings that psychologists generally identify which aren't affected, they're not affected by moods. Um, and um, some, suggest, some, uh, some studies even suggest that they're genetic. But regardless of that, we, we have what we have, I mean, at the end of the day. So when we're maturing, however, these traits are still forming. So when we're young, these traits are still forming. But by the age of uh, 30, the majority of people would have uh, kind of developed. And by the age of 40, they're fully developed and matured uh, in these kind of traits. So... When we're young, we're more malleable, right? We're more flexible, we're more willing uh, to take on something for, uh, you know, with less consideration as such, right? But as we get older, our experiences will shape our thoughts much more, so we become less malleable in that sense. Islam recommends marriage, as I said, at any age, but preferably at a younger age because it's a protection. That's why the Prophet said, whoever gets married, then they have preserved half of their deen. And they just have to fear Allah in the rest of their deen, in the other half of their deen. And the reason for that is quite simple that when a person is married, because it's such a human desire, it is such a human need as such. If a person is not married, then that's going to be on their mind. It may not be for a certain amount of time after maybe some kind of you know, ugly divorce or something, but it will be on their mind eventually because it's a natural thing that generally kicks in. That's why the... The Sharia doesn't want us to remain alone, remain alone in the sense of without marriage, or for men to suffice with men and to, for women to suffice with women. That's actually seen as a negative uh, sign of the Day of Judgment, that this is what people will turn towards doing. And so in Islam, that's not considered to be praiseworthy. Now, let, let's talk about some of the inhibitions that people will generally go through. So I've had calls recently from... Uh, women age of 40, 50 even, and they feel like they want to get married now, right? They had decided for the last 10, 15, 20 years that they were not going to get married, but now they want to get married because they just can't do it alone anymore. Some of them have children as well. They just can't do it. They need somebody to help them. So I said, then why don't you get married? They says, well, uh, I don't trust anybody. How can I trust somebody? How can I find somebody trustworthy? See, the problem is that 
we've seen this with a lot of women, especially women when they get divorced. Uh, men tend to find it much easier to move along, get married. Again, it's, it's just whether that's a social issue or a psychological issue, whatever the case is, that's just a reality, it seems. But for women, it gets much more difficult. And a lot of them end up in depression or a lot of them end up hating everybody or isolating themselves. Right. So, for example, is one sister that I've, uh, that I've spoken to recently. She doesn't trust anybody. How can I bring somebody in and it, it may affect my children? Right. Uh, it's going to affect my children. I don't trust anybody. They've had a bad experience before, so they don't trust anybody. Subhanallah. So the first thing that we have to understand is that not everybody is bad. I mean, I told them in personally myself that I deal with a lot of people in all parts of the world. I mean, because of the travel that I have to do. And I would say that the majority of people that I meet are decent people, right? They're not corrupt, they're not messed up, they are trustworthy. But psychologically, we can magnify something in our mind, right? In a way that doesn't reflect reality. And this is what happens. I mean, this could happen, to be honest, at any age. But obviously, the older you get, the, the more suspicious you could become. If, if you've allowed yourself to go in that direction, if it hasn't been nipped in the bud, Right? So a lot of people, the reason they may want to get married, but the reason why they can't get married is because they don't trust anybody. What I want to say is that if that's the case, then you really need to get some help with that. Talk to some ulama about it. Go and get psychological help if that helps. Right? If that's what you need to do. Go and get professional help of somebody to help you work your way through your insecurities, your fears. Uh, the threats that you feel and so on and so forth because that's very important the Prophet said that anybody who thinks that everybody else is destroyed and corrupt then they're the most corrupt and destroyed of them themselves because it's impossible that everybody's going to be corrupt completely there has to be some good people out there right there has to be a lot of good people out there right that's the human nature especially you know that's the human nature so for a person to think that everybody else is messed up Right? And there's no good people out there. They're messed up psychologically themselves. This is what I think the Prophet ﷺ is saying. So we really need to remedy that because the reality is something else. How come so many other people, I mean, just look around you, of all of the people in the successful marriages that a majority of people in our communities, alhamdulillah, are married and probably successfully to a certain degree. Yes, we've got a good portion maybe, right? Maybe 20, 30% who are having trouble. There's no doubt about that. We hear these stories all the time. I mean, just in the last, I would say, three to four weeks, I've received at least between seven to 10 queries, uh, phone calls or emails, whatever, about divorce and marriage and about crazy things like that in between. So we do have issues, but it's not in the majority of cases. It's not in the majority of cases and we really need to understand, look at others, see how they're successful. Don't just justify their success based on some abnormality. No, the norm is to be successful, inshallah. Right? So we really need to remedy that psychological obstacle in our mind, that inhibition to feel that everybody else is corrupt and untrustworthy and so on. The other th way to look at it is this. Number two, the other way to look at it is this. You have been in your status quo, meaning you have lived the way you have for this many years or decades or whatever it may be. And it's not helpful. It hasn't helped you. You're struggling. It's difficult for you. And you now feel that you need a partner. So how much worse can it get? Like if you do get married now and you do su find a suitable partner after, you know, effort and you do get married again, then can it be any worse than now? You're already in a bad state, so it can't be worse. So what's the problem in taking the risk? You can, the, the, uh, if, you, if you strike it lucky, inshallah, with the, with, with the du'as to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah, it will, it will work out better for you. So why not try it? Right? It can't be any worse. 
But in that regard, I'm going to suggest a few things, right? That if you look for someone to get married, because for instance, in in some cases, what happens is you need family help. And I ask sometimes to some people, why, uh, you know, where's your family? They said they don't want to help me. That surprises me a lot, to be honest, right? Because at the end of the day, Allah has made families, you know, with their blood relationship, the womb relationship that they share between them, that they want to assist one another, right? And just from my experience, a lot of the time, if somebody is unwilling to assist their brother, their sister, or their son or daughter, or their uncle or aunt, or whoever it is, especially if it's close relatives, it's probably because there's a personality issue that has caused some issue in the past. I can't see why any decent parents or, or brothers or sisters wouldn't help their family members, wouldn't help their family members if it's all a normal state. Look, we do exceptionally, in an exceptional situation, there may be some really weird people who don't care about others and who are just completely unreasonable people, oppressive and uncaring, very selfish. We do have individuals like that. But, I mean... All of your family can't be like that. Is it because you've burnt bridges in the past? Right, you know, I don't want to judge anybody and I don't like to judge people, but I like to make people think. So the question that I generally ask is, why do you think they don't want to help you? Right, is it because you've maybe refused their help in the past? Is it because you have acted antagonistically? Maybe you've been rude before. Maybe, you know, in an emotional state. Maybe, you know, you are not feeling your best and you burnt bridges that way. Maybe you don't want their help, right? And that's why they've thought, okay, leave you alone to your, to your own devices because they just don't want to help. You have to do things differently. You have to think about this. But again, this may require professional help because it's not as easy as just thinking about it. Hopefully some people can just think about it, make a click, allow it to click in their minds and then just go forth with that with a lot of dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these are the inhibitions. Now, why am I speaking to you uh, people about this today? Well, because... If there is anybody among you who is experienced this, then inshallah, or something like this, then inshallah, uh, um, discussing these various different circumstances may be of help. But I'm sure all of us know somebody or the other, or may run into somebody or the other. So that's why I want us to be able to provide this, because a more enriched community is a better community. A more informed community is a better community, because you can help others. I can't get to everybody else. I'm just talking about this based on the several cases that I've dealt with in the recent past. And I felt that now it required that, you know, I do a public lecture on this. And, uh, you know, I don't have all of the answers, but at least this, th some of these answers, some of these uh, suggestions and advice will help. And if you have that, you can, inshallah, then extend that and provide it to other people who are not going to listen to this lecture or other lectures that other scholars and experts may have done. So firstly, it's to overcome the inhibition and remove and relieve uh, and cure this, in, uh, th this feeling in our heart that everybody is out there to do us bad. No, that's not the case. You do istikhara, right? You do istikhara, you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the best. That's a very powerful dua. You make mashra with others. You go and try to reintegrate yourself in the community by just finding decent friends. And I would suggest that you read a dua in this case to help you, which is Allahumma rzuqna hubbak wa hubba man yanfa'una hubbuhu indak. Allahumma rzuqna hubbak wa hubba man yanfa'una hubbuhu indak. Which basically means, oh Allah, grant us your love and the love of those whose love benefits us in your court. Which means that Allah will then 
grant us affection towards people, friendship uh, towards people that are good for us, that are beneficial for us in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To ask for good companionship from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very important. Oh Allah, make those that surround us good, make us friends with good people. Ask Allah pointedly that this is what you want from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course, for the betterment of our own uh, uh, children and uh, spouses and, and family in general, you could say, Rabbana hablana min azwajina wa dhurriyatina qurrata a'yun wa ja'alna lilmuttaqina imama. You could do that dua which I've explained so many times before. Grant us the coolness of our eyes, the delight of our eyes from our spouses and our children and make us the leaders of the righteous people. So that, that's firstly to try to uh, relieve ourselves and to look at things more clearly. Uh, then the other thing, just some practical considerations that I want to mention, right, is that if you do end up finding somebody, then there's a few things that you need to take into account. Now, this is not something I will say that you need to do in a normal marriage by default because I don't think it's required. But in a case like this where you've got your fears to allay your fears, what you want to do is when you find Mr. Right, whoever it may be, you're going to have to come down in your criteria, right? Because I've, as I said, I've had numerous people who are so fixed in their way Right, that they just can't find the ideal person because they literally score them according to their criteria. And if any one or two of those criteria are missing and they can't live up to that, they just dismiss these people. Right? And I've had a case where there's somebody who actually had a criteria and finally after meeting so many prospective spouses, uh, they settled down with one and, and it didn't work out. You're going to have to rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're going to have to take a plunge. You do an amount of due diligence, but this is not some kind of business, right? There is another level to it, which is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you need dua, right? You need dua, you need the assistance of Allah, and you need to ask mashwara from others as well. So let's not just make it purely a criteria based. Yes, there should be some maybe some major criteria. Go on, take your criteria to somebody if you need to. Right, somebody who you trust and say, look, these are my credit. Do you think this is ideal, too idealistic? Do you think this is a bit too extreme? Right, which are the most important things I should, you know, like really cut down your criteria, really um, cut down your cr criteria to the absolute minimum, basic, fundamental ones that, you know, you can't live without. And, and uh, subhanAllah, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then go for it. But then what you need to do is, what I would suggest is two things now. Put a clause in your marriage contract, right? Put a clause in your marriage contract. And I'll explain that briefly right now. But if you ever, when you are in this situation, and if you are in this situation, then feel free to contact us or any other uh, scholar who can explain this to you. But put a clause in your marriage contract that, uh, a, you know, find any person who's in your life, maybe your father, maybe your brother, maybe, you know, if you've got an older son, or somebody decent that, you know, will be reasonable and decent. You will say to your prospective spouse, the person, your suitor, that you need to consign one option of a divorce to this individual, right? Who is my relative or my, you know, somebody I know or maybe the local imam, you know, whoever you can, uh, you know, get them to agree uh, on, on taking this on, right? So what you'll do is you will ask the prospective spouse that I'll only marry you on the condition that you consign one of your divorce options to this person, right? That in X, Y, and Z case, and you can actually keep this generally if you want, or you, it's better to stipulate it, that if X, Y, or Z goes wrong, and you know, whatever your main fears are, 
right? You can make them very specific and say that if this doesn't work, and it has to be very tangible that it's something that can't be left to interpretation. It has to be something very clear, otherwise there's going to be an argument about it, all right? Or you can keep it in general if you want to, that if X, Y, and Z happens, or if this doesn't work out in this particular way, then this man has the right to issue the divorce to me if you don't issue the divorce to me. The reason I mention this is because there's some women who've come out and they've managed to finally release themselves and extract themselves from, from some very, very abusive marriages. The marriage was abusive, it was very, very difficult, and the husband then refused to give them a divorce, which is really, really, really corrupt. Allah says in the Quran, Jamila. Like if you can't live together and it doesn't work out, and the, then the divorce has to take place, then just let them go beautifully. In fact, in Islam, if a, if a man divorces his wife, then, you know, forget mahr and dowry, which has to be paid anyway, and it becomes due at divorced uh, if there's any outstanding. That's a separate issue. There is an additional marriage divorce gift. I would call it a divorce gift. In Arabic, they call it mut'a, right, which means a beneficial gift, right? They would have to, on talaq, you give a mut'a, you give a, you give a divorce parting gift of a suit, of a garment of, you know, of, a clo of clothing, of a set of clothing to the wife, to your ex-wife, right, as a goodwill gesture, because a lot of times this is very acrimonious, right, this, a lot of sorrow, heartbreak takes place in here, and we don't want families to break up because of this. We've just seen too much of that. So there's a sunnah, there's a, it's mustahab to do this. It's a recommendation to give, uh, to give uh, a set of clothing to your, your ex-wife when you divorce her, you know, or your wife when you divorce her. So the idea of this is that what happens with some husbands, they're very abusive. In fact, I've, I've, I've come across some really naive men where it's all going wrong. They don't want to stay with each other. They can't stay with each other, but the husband refuses to divorce. And I said, why? He said, because it's haram to divorce. I said, it's haram to divorce only in certain cases. It's not haram to divorce in all cases. That's why we, it's, it's a halal. It, it is not haram, absolutely. It's not haram, absolutely at all. It's actually just impermissible unless you are in the case where it must be done. In fact, in some cases, the divorce is the mercy. We're not Catholics. I remember when I was in the Vatican, the big discussion there with members in the Vatican was just this, that they were trying to figure out how to circumvent their very uh, strict law that they have, that people can't get divorced. In fact, according to many Catholic churches, if a, one of their members gets divorced, they get excommunicated from the church. They, they're no longer members of that church, which is really sad. We don't have that issue. Divorce takes place. Divorce happens. Even the Prophet ﷺ wanted to divorce Sauda radiallahu anha. And there are other women that, uh, that, that, that it's related that he divorced. Right? There's the case of also the Sahabiyah who came to the Prophet ﷺ and said, I can't complain of my husband at all. Right? In, in everything else, in deen, etc., he's wonderful, but I don't want to be ungrateful in my Islam, which means I, maybe she's saying I don't appreciate him according to the uh, version. So the Prophet said, okay, fine, do a khula. Are you willing to give him back what he gave you? Uh, I think it was an orchard or something. Are you willing to give it back to him? He says, yes, I'm willing to give it back to him. So then uh, he, uh, he said, you know, you can do this and, and uh, give her a divorce on, on, uh, on that basis. But don't keep women hanging. This is completely wrong. So then what happens in these cases is that the woman, she then, if the husband doesn't give a divorce, then she has to run around. She has to 
then go to a Sharia court and it's just long-winded progress, uh, process which is very very difficult so that's why I suggested in a case like this when you've got fears to allay your fears you get married but put that tafweed this in Arabic is called tafweed talaq right which means to consign a divorce to somebody else that you know you trust that they will then issue the divorce if the husband doesn't of course this doesn't mean that the husband can't issue the divorce anymore he still has the three rights of divorce that he has but this is just an extension of that right to somebody else that we both can do it right so um, if if you haven't understood that correctly you know please feel free to contact us at uh, zamzamacademy.com and the other lecture that i would suggest that you really listen to if you haven't already right if if you know just to help you uh, get over this uh, these fears and get over the fact that you've suffered in the past so you're going to suffer in the future and thus you don't trust anybody to get over that there's a very important lecture that i would suggest you listen to on zamzam academy called uh, uh, don't be depressed you don't know your future because what a lot of people do is if they've had a bad experience in the past they project that onto the future and think that that's what's written for them now nobody knows what's written for them until after it's happened only then do you know what the Prophet said in the hadith of Sahih Muslim is ihris ala ma which means that you need to avidly seek out what is beneficial for you so if being married for you is beneficial and the sunnah say so, then that's what you should do. You should avidly seek it out. Hirs is the word in Arabic that's used, which is, you know, really go for it. And wala ta'jiz, and don't just sit back and, and, and cry is my word, right? Don't just sit back and do nothing about it and think that you're impotent. No, don't just sit back and do nothing. You need to go for it. This is what the Prophet ﷺ wants from us, right? He wants us to be productive. He wants us to be, uh, he wants us to be, positive about the about the future optimistic about the future and not just you know consider everybody to be messed up as some people do so uh, so again first try to remedy our issues by the various different ways that i mentioned listen to that lecture you know get professional help if you have to look at ponder over other people's marriages don't let yourself justify it you know don't become ocd about this and understand that you know you're in a better you know you, you it's worth taking the risk because you're not enjoying your state right now, right? And it can't get any worse, but then put some safeguards in, in place when, if you do get married and when you do get married by uh, having one divorce uh, option consigned to somebody. And lastly, the other thing that you can consider doing is that when you do get married, clearly if you're older, then you're going to have your own place. They're going to have their own place. So rather than have them have, uh, you know, the two of you move in, together straight away and then try to build it like that you could consider another way which is that he stays where he is you stay where you are and you just meet up you know every day or whatever the case is and you slowly build that relation especially if you have to introduce the children to it because sometimes children unfortunately sometimes they don't like you know they act very selfish I, i've dealt with cases like that where some children mashallah are very good say yes to their mother or father yes you should get married again and they're very supportive but in other cases, they're very jealous, right? They said, like, how can you marry when our mother had died or our father, you know, had died or whatever the case is. But you have to live your own life. So you have to do this slowly, right? You have to do this slowly. So if you want to do it that way, where you just kind of, you know, come together once in a while uh, or sorry, every day, every, every two days or whatever. And slowly, slowly, as the relationship builds up, right, you can understand one another. Then you actually move in. And if it doesn't work, then there's always divorce at the end of it. 
and you've got that you know you've got that uh, safety net which i explained of the consignment of divorce there as well so these are a number of suggestions that uh, we're just trying to find practical suggestions so that we can observe the sunnah of marriage we can remove the depression we can remove the isolation the feeling of isolation because a lot of people who've been divorced and th- because they start thinking that everybody's out to get them sometimes they isolate themselves from the community as well right and that's really difficult in fact i've seen very successful people i mean in the se- i mean in a in inverted co- commas um of those people who've been divorced mashallah they volunteer for everything right and that's how they keep themselves occupied right otherwise they they may feel that they don't have any self worth so they really keep themselves occupied by volunteering everywhere that's one way to deal with it right that's one way to deal with it but the sahaba as i said some of them they would div- they would marry even towards the end of their life so that it be it be a sunnah that they could observe we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for assistance and help we ask allah to make us assist those who are in difficulty because we as a community need to do more right and the only way we can do more is if we recognize these things and we become informed of of these things and we understand how to inshallah advise others we ask allah to help us uh, help ourselves and inshallah help others and make this a source of sadaqa jariya wa akhir da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin